Welcome everyone to Vertical Playpen. I'm your host, Phil, and in this episode, you're going to hear from myself, you're going to hear from our executive director, Jim Grout, and our guest today is Jeff Ward, who is the interim head coach of the Calgary Flames, which is an NHL, that's National Hockey League, team based out of Calgary in Alberta, Canada. Now, our connection to Jeff has spanned nearly 10 years, and we've followed him through several different teams. That has been the Boston Bruins, the Mannheim Eagles, which is a team based out of Germany, the New Jersey Devils, and now most recently in his role as the interim head coach of the Calgary Flames. The next voice you're going to hear is Jim's as he describes our history and connection to Jeff. Please enjoy, and thank you for listening to Vertical Playpen. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of interesting. I just sent Jeff something that's going to be in our ten year vision uh, document, and uh, we reflected back on you know it was two thousand ten when we first we first met, and it's been a connection through four different teams in two different countries or three different countries now, with you know including Canada. Um, each time the focus has been slightly different, but it's uh, it it's been quite a lot of fun doing the work that we've we've done together. I remember the first day, uh, I guess you and Max Offenberger, uh, Maxie called and uh, it was after the Bruins had lost in July, uh, not July, in June to the Flyers in that series, the four straight games. And uh, I got a call from a friend that said, hey, uh, a buddy of mine is going to call you tomorrow. This is a guy who used to be on our board of directors. And he says, a guy named Max Offenberger is going to give you a call. And I thought he was kidding. I said, sure, yeah, the Bruins are calling us because he always would kid around. And uh he goes, no, no, I'm serious. I showed up, the phone rang the next day, and it was both you and, and Max, and we talked, and you guys came up to high five a few days later, and, and uh, we made some plans and then met with the coaches, had that meeting with uh, 10 of us in that little tiny room down in Claude's office there one day. Yeah. <laughs> that was a smiley group. <laughs> uh, no, and then it's just it's been an, you know an, un, an unbelievable relationship and friendship and what we've done uh, together all these years. Uh, I always kid around that uh, just about every uh, July or June, I'm up in Maine. I'm walking into a fish store, which is what happened this year. My phone rings and I see it's Jeff Ward, and I said, "I think we're going to Calgary." <laughs> sure enough, he said, "Hey, we're thinking of coming, having you come up to Calgary." And almost every year, there's been something like that. You know, the year with the Devils, you came up to Portland, we met at some coffee shop, and uh, yeah. it's been different. It's been uh, it's been a great thing, but I think we've had a lot of connection around leadership and and how do we develop people. You know, Max always loved to say, you know. We're making better people who become better hockey players. And I, I always loved that quote, you know. Uh, and I've so enjoyed it. You know, I've been watching all your stuff. Of course, now that you're the interim head coach, they want to know everything about your life. So all your teaching years and those skate arounds on the rink were kind of fun when they were interviewing. But, you know, just the, the whole approach from an educational point of view and, you know, working with people individually. I thought it was fascinating when you took over the Flames. You said the first two weeks you spent <clears throat> just talking with each player individually. And so the guy asked you, what, <clears throat> excuse me, what'd you talk about? And you said, anything but hockey. Just kind of connect with the people. And I think that's where a lot of the connection comes with the kinds of work we do, too. So, Phil, I know that's a long intro, but. No, it's great. <laughs> After that, I got nothing to say. All these questions. Are just... <laughs> 
So, so Jeff, what what was your first interaction with us in in that meeting? Like, what was your perception of High Five? What were you expecting? It, it, give us a little backstory on that. Well, I didn't I didn't have much of a perception of what High Five was was going to be about. Um, I had just gone on the recommendation of Maxi. Um, you know, we were looking to do something to solidify our leadership group and really sort of do something you know, with the leadership stemming from our leadership group and Maxie had recommended high five and, and thought that it would be a, a real solid relationship for us in order to develop that. So we went up and had the first meeting and I came away really impressed um, because I felt that, you know, the program that we could put together and the program that we were talking about uh, was going to be really, really beneficial for our team. Uh, and it certainly proved to be that. And when you look at the Bruins now today, I think they're still reaping the benefits of, you know, the years that uh, we worked with High Five in order to develop that leadership core and how that extended back through the whole team. And, you know, they're still 10 years later um, reaping the benefits of that strong leadership core. And you see, you know, you see what they're doing in the league today. So um, that really hit home with me in terms of how impactful the program was. And so I've made sure in every other stop that I've been on that, uh, you know, like Jim said, I've made the call to him at the fish store every July and made sure that, uh, you know, we're starting to plan something uh, for the for our training camp just to get our team off on the on the proper foot. As you've as you've learned about what we do and adventure education, experiential education, something I've been asking of everyone that I've been interviewing um, in this in these series of interviews is what were people's. Uh, first interactions to Adventure Ed. Now that you know what it looks like and feels like, can you think back on your past and, and and identify a moment that you might have experienced this outside of maybe the work that we've done with you? Yeah, I mean, the first time I really uh, saw experiential, you know, adventure education was in high school, mm. and uh, you know, we did it uh, we did it as a block in physical education, and I thought it really uh, stuck with me in terms of how connected I became to people that I had to work with very quickly, mm-hmm. people that I didn't necessarily know other than just being in the class with them. And I really came away with that. And, and, you know, off of that, you know, we would play on the same teams and things, you know, during high school. And I just felt like it was a really good way to connect with people. And I always felt like through those connections, we had much stronger teams, you know, through my high school years. And I really felt like that, you know, getting to know people, uh, having to trust people really got us off on a lot stronger footing when we needed to, you know, do things in a team environment. Because even though it was for a short period of time, we got to trust each other. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I really found that impactful for me as a as a future teacher and at that point an athlete in terms of uh, you know how I needed to interact with my teammates in order to be successful. Mm-hmm. When you started teaching, did you start to incorporate some of that stuff? into your teaching as well as your coaching that you do now? Were you already using connection as a tool to help teams? Yeah, connection has always been a big thing with me. And I, you know, I think, I really believe it's the number one thing in in having successful teams is the team has to be connected. If uh, those connections don't happen, then I don't think anything else on your team works. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, when I started teaching high school and in the teams I coached, I always tried to develop those connections and through just generally, um, you know, through the school population, people taking physical education, we always had a component of it, of it in our outdoor education blocks where we were able to, 
you know, put kids through those experiences where they had to depend on other people and they had to come up with solutions to problems. And, you know, they had to do it in a fun environment where they were being active. And I think mm. that, you know, that part of it has a huge impact. I think if you just sit down and you were to do it in a classroom just through conversation, I don't think it would be as impactful. Uh, having to go out and do it and actually experiencing is the, is the key thing for me in order to, in order to make it stick. Yeah, we tend to find sometimes, even when we're working with groups, that there's hesitancy to play, hesitancy to have fun in the, in the experience. And so I do a workshop called The Power of Play, which talks about some of the science behind it, the reasons why we do it. And I think that reaction, the connection between using it as connection and also interacting in, in, in play is very helpful. I, I recently, you know, I saw in some of the coaching you were doing with the Flames that you were just bringing games into the training sessions, which, you know, just as a way to engage people suddenly changes the dynamic, I think, of a learning when there's through the medium of play. Oh, uh, for sure. I mean, uh, the, the play stuff is so important. Uh, you know, it, it allows you to let your barriers down, have fun. I just think a lot more things happen in a fun environment. And so we always do a lot of things you know, with our practices still everywhere I've ever been, uh, where I've been the head coach, just in terms of playing a game every day at the end of practice. Uh, there's a lot of good things you can get from it. Uh, the team certainly enjoys it. They have fun with it. Um, but they're working as well. And sometimes they don't understand how hard they're working and, you know, while they're playing the games. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of carryover for us, uh, not just from a fun, fun standpoint, but also from things that we want to accomplish in practice that we can do through play. And I always, you know, I always think when we get together with you guys, that first component of play, you know, the, the games that we play, it's it's so important in terms of guys just letting their guard down mm -hmm. naturally and opening themselves up to the, the stuff that's going to come afterwards. I think it's such a huge component of it. And for us to really make connections with our teams, we feel like, you know, the play component of our practices allows us to do that. You know, the guys have fun. They get on each other a little bit. They, you know, it really, really helps us in terms of our players connecting. And, we, you know, we use that as an important part of everything that, uh, you know, we do in terms of building our culture. One of the, the things we've always done when Jeff, you'll give us, I say, give me some names to talk to. So we want to talk to players before. So whether it was the, the Devils or the Flames or the Bruins or the or Mannheim Eagles. So there'll be four or five people to call ahead of time. And the guys are great. They really take it seriously. And that's everybody from a, a Char and a Bergeron to Giordano and all, all the different people in between. But every one of them almost will say at the end of the call, so they give you all the serious stuff and they, say, and they always say, but this is going to be fun. And they, <laughs> they want to make sure we're not going to, you know, nail them down too serious. I said, no, no, this is going to be fun. We're just trying to get your read on the on the team. But yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. And I think, you know, uh, Luch, Luch this year, he pretty much said that in his opening statement, you know, hey, this is good stuff. Pay attention. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, and he probably passed that around long before we even arrived and, in uh, Calgary. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the, the timing of it sometimes, you know, isn't the best. We've always kind of done it towards the end of training camp when we get down to our teams. Uh, and I think at that point, the guys are feeling a little bit tired. So the fun factor for them is huge. And, you know, our goal from the whole thing is exactly that to have fun, come up with the connections and the trust and the covenant that we always draw out of, you know, the, the end of the experience. But you know, we want those things to be in place, but at the same point in time, we're trying to get our players where they're, they're not tired coming out of, you know, the end of a training camp. So I think the, uh, the things that, that we do and the elements always haven't been agreeable with us, but you know, the guys tough it out and everybody toughs it out. And at the end of the day, I mean, they still talk about it and, you know, we still, 
uh, we draw on that, you know, we'll show things, guys up in the trees and doing things and, you know, they, they connect with that. It brings back, you know, you see the smiles on their faces as soon as you put a slide up or a little bit of a video snippet, they get a, they get a kick out of it. And I, so the fun factor is huge. And I, I think the fun factor really accommodates the buy-in. I mean, everybody needs to buy in, but I think the fun is such a huge portion of, you know, getting them to, to say, okay, I'm here and, and uh, this is good. And, and I want this to, to do something for us. So you know your reference where you 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 add the play you want there to be fun for you as a leader of your team both in your roles as assistant head coach and now interim head coach how would you define your leadership style Well I'm you know I'm a big empowerment guy um, I do a lot of communicating by just walking around you know a lot of informal communication a lot of and I encourage them to talk about a lot of things outside of just the game Hmm. Um, but you know, I'm really all about what we want to do is we want to empower our people to take over our culture. Um, uh, it's, we always say to them all the time, this is your program. We're just here to kind of help facilitate it. So we want them to take charge of it. We want them to, to feel like they have ownership in it. Um, and we feel that makes for stronger accountability and commitment, uh, in terms of driving the culture and, and taking ownership of it. So that's what we're all about. You know, the, the communication is always open. It's always two ways. Um, we take their feedback into account on every decision that we make. So I would say that uh, I'm more of a guy that just, uh, you know, once we develop the culture, we have the, you know, we understand what the culture is. We understand what our covenant is, what we're going to represent as a team. Then I'm a guy that just gives the keys to the car to the players and allows them to drive it. And then, uh, you know, we just kind of once in a while, pull them back and see, you know, where we're at and what's going on. But it's really, uh, it's really a player centered leadership. Mm -hmm. It's really an empowered style of leadership. And it's, it's really one where it's a lot of open communication. Yeah. And I would say that, you know, what you're suggesting is exactly probably why our connection between yourself and us is so strong is because our motto is connect, empower, lead. So it's pretty much as you defined it just there, you were, you were almost saying the mission of high five. So I think that's, you know, that's where there's a, a good relationship and connection there. Where did you, where did you learn this? What was there someone, a mentor of yours or somewhere that you learned this, or was it just for experience alone that you realized like, this is probably the better right route to go than telling people what yeah, to do? Yeah, I mean, it, it sort of came together over time. You know, when I became a coach, you sort of think about, you know, what, or first a teacher, you know, what makes a successful teacher? And then later on with my coaching, what makes a successful coach? And I think the biggest thing is you have to be comfortable with your style. And I always thought back to what coaches and teachers had the most impact on me and what they were like and how I was the most motivated uh, through the styles that they employed. And I just found that when I felt like I had a, an opportunity to contribute to a program, you know, or to a classroom where I had an opportunity to take some ownership, uh, have some say in it. I just felt like I was a way more motivated participant. Mm. And so as a result, when I came to my coaching and my teaching, I just, you know, carried that along because I really believed that that was the future in terms of, you know, how young people are how, how you communicate to young people now, especially the millennials and, and what's involved in all of that. I just felt like over time that I was most comfortable with that style. And when I wasn't the 
you know, the leader or the teacher or the coach. But when I was the participant, I just felt like those situations had the biggest impact on me. Mm -hmm. You know, I reflect on people that have led me. You, You sort of know those leaders that inspire and those who don't just through some of their actions the way that they can empower someone i was i was reading somewhere or someone was telling me i can't remember where this is coming from or maybe i dreamt it uh that someone said if someone defines you as not the coach or not the uh um director and instead refers to you as my coach or my director, that's that word terminology, my versus the, is is very indicative of their leadership style. If someone wants to own that you, Jeff Ward, are my coach, then you've obviously empowered me. You've made me feel like I'm valued. If you're just, oh, the head coach or the interim head coach, Jeff Ward, there's a disconnect somewhat there. And so I think sometimes that empowerment is, I think, is reflected in the way that people receive you. And every time we've spoken to players, they have the utmost respect for you. And I think that comes from the the connection that you have with them, the empowerment you give them, that they would refer to you as their coach rather than the coach. Yeah, thanks. I, I mean, uh, it's obviously high. It's a high compliment. But, you know, the biggest thing with me is I think there's a component that goes with this style where to be effective, you really need to serve the mm. people that you work with. And I, I don't mean that in a negative way. But they need to know that you have their best interests mm-hmm. at heart before you know they're going to buy in or they're going to take ownership of the program. So we try to do everything you know with our coaching staff in terms of the delivery of what we want to do, you know, where the players know that we have their best interests at heart first, that we care about them as people, you know, and their families, um, and we do everything that we possibly can in order to to serve them so that they just have to come you know to the rink every day and work towards being a better player and being a better team. And we feel like if we can do all those things, uh, then it makes their job an awful lot easier. So I, I think there's a component, you know, of service in the style that we employ that, that makes the program ultimately a lot more powerful. Yeah. The players, I mean, they're always using the pronoun. We, I think what we need to do, there's very little I stuff and that's cheap language. Do you know what I mean? Cause people know what they should say, but when you really hear it coming from them, is it, and here to get in those phone calls, like this is this is what I think we could get better at. This is what I think we could do do differently. And uh, and I would agree with with Phil that, that the respect and admiration for the roles that you've been in with them, whether as assistant or as as now head, uh, is is it just shows so much of the leadership that shows through. You know, it's just as soon as people know you care about them, whatever that old expression is, you know, they they believe they care about you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, our you know our goal as a staff is never to. You know, we don't want it to be about us and the Calgary Flames. We want it to be about the players always first. You know, it's we want to we want it to be about the Calgary Flames, and the more that we can stay in the background, we feel like the more the more effective we are in terms of what we want to accomplish. So, you know, we want to we want to make make sure that you know there's a strong level of humility uh, in how we perform with our program. And that we always understand where we came from. And we feel like that's really important in order to keep everyone grounded uh, and everybody working towards the same goals together. Evident that night when we were with you guys in Calgary, the evening, uh, Brad, the GM, got up to say a few words and then I spoke after that. And you could just, one of my comments at that time, you could feel something a little different in that room in regard to what you just described, you know, that, that it was, it just felt a little less hierarchical. It, it, uh, 
sort of everybody in it together. It was just a different tone. It, it caught me off guard. I remember mentioning it at the time because it was it just you could feel different. Uh, it's always a nice thing. Yeah, I mean, once it's 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 really kind of it's a neat thing when you know I call it the switch on. You know, when you see that people are switched on to sort of what the whole program is going to be about, and they buy into it, and there's a there's a real strong synergy when ha- that happens when that switch on occurs and i think what you're probably referring to was you know the fact that our team is coming into this year i I think they really did switch on i mean last year we had a tremendous season we had one of those years where everything just goes right for you uh and then of course we had the disappointing end uh but understanding where we wanted to get to in order to you know as we said this year change the ending and having everybody committed to that I i think you know, it's, it's a powerful thing when you see it. And, and I think that's kind of what you were referring to with, uh, you know, with Tree's comments and, and the meeting we had that night. When you said, too, one of the one of the things I saw at press conference or something about how much this year was different from last year from the standpoint of really learning what it, what resilience was going to look like when you were down. How would you come back? You know, and that that's it, you even compared the two years in which however you were saying it, but as though this was a stronger, better year because people were living through that. The, the challenges that they were facing were different than maybe the ease that flowed last year uh, for whatever reasons. I mean, it was a heck of a record by the end of the year, but I, I thought that was interesting because I would believe that too in the, in the work that we do. It's We bring somebody up on a challenge course. The thing they remember after five days is the thing they really struggled with. The easy stuff is is not what's teaching them something. It's when it's really challenging and they're trying to figure it out and then the character raises and grows and develops differently. Yeah, and I, you know, the I think the important aspect for us in all that is that ultimately to win the Stanley Cup, you, you really need to be a battle-tested team. And we felt like uh, last year everything went so well, we didn't have enough adversity through the regular season to become as battle-tested maybe as we needed to be to be a, a real effective playoff team. And this year we had a lot of that through the season. We had a lot of adversity. Um, and so the guys got a real strong dose of being battle tested. And that's, you know, the one thing about experience is that you can't buy it. You have to live it. You have to gain it by doing it. And I, I think, you know, those those things and the lessons that we can draw out of all those things as a team, you know, moving along our level, evolution are so, so important because in, when times get a little bit hard, they have a lot of things that they can draw on in their resolve in order to to rise above what that particular challenge is at that time. So we feel like it's a real important thing. And yeah, we did have, we did have some adversity and, you know, we're hoping that we get the season back underway. So we ultimately, you know, we get to the final examination of the playoffs and we can see exactly what we learned as a group. We're all hoping that happens. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. We're all in the same boat there. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, as you, as you reflect on, I, I think that, you know, I've been lucky enough to being able to be on the program for three of the teams that you brought to us. Um, I wasn't with us during the Bruins, but I was with the uh, Mannheim Eagles and the Devils and then the Flames. And I have memorable moments in my brain. I, I can reflect on one very quickly that Mannheim, when you brought Mannheim to High Five site, was I had probably been employed maybe two weeks. So it was one of those like, Wow, suddenly I'm working with a professional sports team. Did and- we tell you that, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was new. And uh, there was, 
it, there was a really wonderful moment. We were all sitting up on uh, the fire pit, um, up on the top of our hill, and I think we were we just finished eating, and the the sun was going down, and it changed the sky to purple. That just sticks in my brain as being just a very cool moment for me personally in my own career, and so it sticks very strongly for me. Are there in both yourself and Jim uh, moments that you can think of in the time that you worked with High Five that stick in your brain as very memorable for any kind of reason? They don't have to be oh, very tons meaningful. Of them. Tons of them. I mean, uh, you know, humorous and you know, I, I remember, uh, I remember Mark Reckier the one year. I mean, he was terrified of heights. And uh, we had Matt Bartkowski, who was just a, a rookie who was trying to break in with our team in Boston. And they obviously got up in the trees and, and Bart had no fear of heights. Uh, and Mark Reckie, who was, you know, future Hall of Fame player, and been, a, you know, an established winner in the league for a lot of years, was up in the trees with Bart. And I just remember the impact Bart had on him, you know, just helping him through the, through the high elements of the challenge course and the impact that had on Mark you know, in terms of making a connection with Bart. And I, I, I really saw, you know, after that year when guys would get called up from the minors, how they were welcomed into our dressing room. And I just felt like that was just so, so important. So, you know, it was all kinds of moments like that. Patrice Bergeron really, you know, we'd come back to a, wrapping up a session where we got into small groups and we were, you know, having discussions. And he was, he was leading the uh, presentation of his group to the rest of the team. And, you know, I remember him just standing up and going, I'm not going to use the exact <laughs> words he did, but, you know, saying, oh my gosh, this is hard. And yeah. for him, that was a real breakout moment. I felt like he was a different leader after, you know, that, uh, that high five experience. He came back, he, he was such a quiet guy in the dressing room before that, even though you could see that he had tremendous leadership. But after that, he, he became a much more vocal leader. And I really feel like, you know, the experience that we went through that, that training camp together at high five was, was key in order for him to sort of break out of his shell and start to become a much more vocal leader, which made him ultimately way more effective. And you see him now on NHL, you know, all the time, things that he's saying to the team before games and in between periods. I mean, he's, he's become just such a strong, strong leader over his time. I mean, then there's other moments. I mean, you know, the funnier things, Claude repelling across the river and disappearing under the water. Um, you know, uh, thorny, thorny's raft falling apart, coming across the pond so that he got wet. I mean, just, we got all those things where, you know, the, the funny, the funny things that happened that people remember the, you know, the video game where we had to put ourselves into the movie and, you know, there was just so many, just so many funny moments over time that you remember. Well, there was that one on Recky was interesting. I won't use his words either, but we always talk about comfort zones and pushing comfort zones. <laughs> that, that was his quote when he's up there with Bartkowski and he goes, I am so far past my blank comfort zone and he's hanging on to this log. Dear life, you know what I mean? And, and, and really that was Patrice's sort of quote in a different way, just the awkwardness of speaking to the group. And I, I, I really found this year with one point, there's a beautiful photo in the book we sent you guys, and Luch is standing up there, and he's holding the the easel, you know what I mean, what the guys are speaking to, but just that practice of writing stuff down, talking in a group, writing it down, and then and then portraying, giving it back to the team. It's uh, it's good practice. People are very afraid to talk in front of other people. You know? Yeah, and the other thing for, for us, I mean, that's really applicable is that 
you know, we need to be in, in what we do for a living, you know, in terms of playing professional sports, we need to be comfortable outside of our comfort zone. <laughs> and, you know, I always find that point so pertinent, you know, we always challenge the guys and, you know, I remember uh, Mark Messier saying one time, you know, your team is ready to be successful at playoff time when all your players are prepared to play outside their comfort zone. And that always stuck with me, but having opportunities to be outside your comfort zone, like being up in the, in the high elements or presenting to the front of a group. I mean, it prepares those guys to ultimately step outside their comfort zone and what we do on a daily basis. And, you know, we talk about it all the time. We need to be comfortable as a team being outside our comfort zone. And for us, that's really where the real work begins, because if you don't have that, you're probably not competing as hard as you need to in order to, to be successful at our level. So I just feel like that's such a strong carryover, you know, from the experience that we have with you guys in our training camps, uh, you know, in terms of what's going to happen to us down the road. Yeah, you know, as a trainer of experiential adventure education, one of the things that we try to state, and it's one of the missions of High Five, this is just an educational tool. You know, the challenge course is just an educational tool for the other stuff we're trying to get to. And heights tend to be the great equalizer in terms of challenge for people. You know, we can, you know, conversation is always challenging too. But when we get people up into the air, that's when you start to see people in their most vulnerable. And, you know, they, they're just humans. That's why I really love about being fortunate to do these programs. I think if I reflect back on my Mannheim program, you know, I was so nervous because it was like, oh, I was going to work with this professional team. But the reality for me was, you know, they're no different than any other human being. You know, they're just more physically able to do their sport. But it's so humanizing to work with these teams and have these experiences where and you know for me I'm I wasn't brought up on ice hockey. We don't have that in the UK. So well not to the same extent. Um it's not one of the sports. And so for me, I you know, I was able to go in that and just deal with them as humans and not have some of the fan kind of uh, cloud or vision over me and it's nice to see them in, in those human moments because I think that's where they really like you know for me it shines out as important not how good are they as professionals but how human are they in their connections with us oh for sure they're uh, you know they're the one thing that always amazes me about hockey players is just how well grounded they are mm. you know what good people they are mm-hmm. um, generally um, and I can't speak to the other sports because I, I haven't been, you know, with the other, with other professional teams, you know, at all, really, uh, just watching from the outside, but I've got nothing but good things to say about, you know, the professional hockey players that, that I've been involved with in terms of what they're like as people, they've all been just really, really great people. It's, it's super fun to joke with as well. I've always <laughs> had the greatest laughs with the group. I can't remember what the player was, and it was for the Devils, but came off the came off the bus and was wearing like camouflage gear because they assumed that we were coming outside into Vermont and we'd be doing some survival stuff. And I was like <laughs> laughing at him. I said, you should have brought a ghillie suit. You know what? <laughs> we're going out to survive. You know, their, their perception of what the expectation of what we're going to do is going to be. So connecting back to like every time that you've been with us and all of the the memories that we have, something that has been a theme that's pretty much gone throughout every single program has been the idea of contender to champion. Explain a little bit about where that comes from and what that means to you, Jeff. 
Well, I think a team goes through an evolution, you know, over time. And, you know, I, I think you start out really as a, you know, we don't often get the luxury of taking over teams that are, that are winning teams. Um, and we have to, you know, we have to start where we do in terms of trying to bring that winning forth. But, you know, I, I really sort of hearken back to, you know, we start out really as, you know, a losing team where we're not, you know, we're not winning an awful lot and we don't really know what it takes to win. Um, and then we, you know, we gain some experience and we go through some, through some things as a team and we, we develop a little bit of skin and we learn some lessons and then we become, you know, what I would term to be an upstart. And an upstart is a team that on any given night can, can beat another team. They can win, but they don't win on a regular basis. And then you learn some more lessons together and you do some more and you get some more success. And then finally you become a winning team. And what I mean by a winning team is a team that, you know, is above 500. You win more than you lose. And then you, you know, you understand now that, you know, really, you know how to put losing into perspective. You know, you're starting to figure out what it takes to win because you're doing so more than you're losing. And then you transition into what we call a, you know, a contending team where you have the opportunity to have some success at playoff time, but you're, you're still on the verge of learning what that's all about. And then when you become a true contender, then you're trying to morph into a championship team, you know, and a championship team is understanding exactly what it takes to, to win a championship at the end of the day. And then if we're lucky, we, you know, we continue to have the same group stay together. There's not very much turnover. Um, and now you have the opportunity to become a dynasty where you're winning championships, you know, on a, on a continual basis year after year or every couple of years. And so we, you know, the teams that I've been with, we've always been to the point coming to you guys where we've been in that stage where we're a contending team trying to learn how to be a championship team and exactly what that means both to us as a whole group, but also what that means to each individual player. And so that's kind of where the, the theme contender to champion uh, grew from. And, you know, we've been fortunate and I, I really think that the, the, the experiences that we've had for you with you people at high five has led to championships. I mean, we did it in Boston, we did it in Mannheim, you know, the year that we did it with Jersey, we, we were in the playoffs for the first time in a long time after that experience, you know, and we felt like we were poised to, to have a real strong or a stronger playoff this year with the flames before the, before the stoppage. So mm -hmm. we, we just always felt like it's been such an integral part of our program in terms of getting our team together, sharing the same vision, the same mission, understanding what we're going to represent as a team, just getting ourselves off on the right foot before the season starts. We just feel like it's been such a huge, huge part of the success that we have on the ice uh, by the end of the season. So that theme has been a real good theme for us. And of course, you know, you don't always make that jump in one season. You know, the one thing about experience is it takes time to, to garner it so that you, you ultimately get to the point where you understand exactly what you have to do to win uh, a championship. So with us, it's, it's kind of come in a one-year step a couple of times. And with some of the other teams, it's been, it's been an ongoing process through a couple of seasons. But we just feel like it's such a, you know, it's such a vital part of where we need to go as a group. Uh, that we continue to to have that theme and build on that theme until we achieve that championship status. What do you what do you see Jeff as being the biggest challenges to that possibly prevent you from being able to take some of those steps when you work with teams? 
Well, I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen to you during the year. You know, injury certainly is one, you know, that can have a, a big detriment, you know, on your overall success, but, you know, unwillingness of, of players to buy in, mm-hmm. you know, potentially is, is a hard thing. You know, it's, it's one thing for, for players to say what they say in training camp, you know, when you're going through all this, but you know, when you have to have the hard conversations during the year about the things, you know, of where realistically you are at um, and where we need to get to, you know, having them agree with that all the time and understanding that they may have to give themselves a little bit more to the team instead of, you know, worried about their own personal success. That's, that Mm -hmm. can be an obstacle, you know, just, I think ultimately we talk about having the right people on the bus, you know, in terms of uh, character and integrity and, you know, what kind of a person you are Um, not having the right people on the bus, you know, and you learn that pretty quickly, that can be a detriment. So there's a lot of factors that can go into it, but ultimately I think if you recruit a talented workforce that are, you know, good people and you have a strong culture and I think, you know, a lot of those problems will be eliminated before you, you get to the hard conversations because everybody has buy-in right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. They say that a, that a team's performance in the business world, and somebody collected this data out of one of the big research places, will improve in the business world, which is performance, probably bringing in more income or whatever, you know, from 35 to 37% if there's good chemistry and culture within that business unit. And yeah. And put out there by the you know the pros of the pros whoever does that kind of study. But I always found that was fascinating that it's you know the culture, the chemistry piece versus all the study piece. And everybody's after the Bruins won the cup that year. And I you know you've heard me say many a time you know I know we were just a small piece of the puzzle. And I remember Sean Thornton yelled out in Maine, "You damn right!" When we said that when we were up in Portland on the island there. <laughs> but that piece of the puzzle becomes like a component that it carries some value and weight and it's not the thing, you know what I mean? But it's, it's one of the things. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I always almost look at it in terms of, you know, it's interesting. Like why do people leave organizations, you know, whether it's business or whether it's, you know, sports or, you know, any kind of company. Um, But I mean, people leave like, you know, number one, they're not treated with dignity and respect. Number two, they're prevented from making an impact. In other words, they're not happy with their role. Uh, number three, they're not listened to. Uh, number four, they're not rewarded with more responsibility. You know, the fifth reason is pay. Mm-hmm. And so, Always you is. know, like I really think like if you're an effective communicator and you have a good culture and all the things that we've been talking about, it eliminates the top four reasons, you know, and then people want to be a part of your organization. And I, so I, I think really like, analytics has to be a tool in order for you to do all the things that you want to do with your culture and with the growth of your team, as opposed to, you know, something that takes on a life of its own that dictates what you're going to do with your culture and what you're going to do with, you know, your communication and your, you know, all those other things that I think are, are way more important. I look at analytics as a more like a way to analyze performance. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't look at analytics as a way to, or, or as a vehicle to run an organization. Uh, so I'm going to ask one last question and then we'll wrap, but what leadership advice do you give to people who are interested in coaching or coming up the ranks and becoming new coaches? What's, what's a couple of pieces of advice you give us from your coaching experience? Well, number one, I'd say be true to your style. I mean, you got to be comfortable in your own skin. Otherwise the players are going to see through it and it's not going to work for you. So I'd, number one for me, that would be it. 
Uh, number two, I would say uh, plug into the power of your people. I mean, I, I think great things are accomplished uh, when everybody's involved um, and everybody has a say and an ownership in what's going on. So I would say empower your people and enjoy that. You know, it's such a, it's such a powerful tool. And the third thing I'd say is just have fun, you know, and enjoy every step of the way because it's, it's such a, you know, it's such a rewarding experience to, to work with a team, you know, or, or an organization that you term to be a team. I always, I always talk about teams because I think teams have such more, it's a much more powerful word than a group. And there just seems to be way more commitment on teams, but you know, in terms of whether it's a, you know, a business in finance or a professional sports team or, you know, the police or whatever it happens to be. If you have a true team, you know, just enjoy the time you have with them because it's such a, it's such a fun thing to be around. It's such a rewarding experience, I find. And uh, it motivates you to get up and go to work during the day, you know, when you're, when you're involved in a true team and uh, you look forward to being there, you know, an awful lot. So that would be my three things probably I would pass on to, to young people people that want to become coaches or, or leaders in their fields for sure. That's awesome. And, and so aligned with once again, the stuff that we do and, and it's, and those kind of messages are important. It, like the, the world is going through some new stuff at the moment. So we are all going to have to be in, in, in real strong teams to support ourselves through that. One of our board members asked the other day, cause yeah, we are going through challenging times here. Like everybody, he said, well, when this is all over, do you think what high five does is still going to be needed? I said, absolutely, yes. He goes, well, that's what I thought. I just wanted to hear you say it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe more so. Yeah. Maybe more so, right, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, thank you, Jeff. And thanks for uh, taking the time. Uh, we've, you know, we've been with each other as, as a pair now for almost 10 years. So it's been nice to follow you along your journey and, and you along with us. And um, we appreciate the connection because connections are important as we keep yeah going back it's to. been it's been it's been fun and I, I think it's been just so so instrumental in terms of what you know we ultimately do um in our jobs as sports professionals so i want to thank you guys because you certainly have uh given us much needed tools in order to to successfully work through the world that we live in on an everyday basis so it's uh you guys are a real real important part of what we do Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. And stay safe out there. Okay, you guys too. Thank you. See you later, buddy. See you. Great talking to you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Vertical Playcast. And then what about thanks for listening to High Fives Podcast? Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for giving us a good guy. <laughs>
if you win the faceoff, but nobody gets a bump, nobody gets in anybody's way getting out to the point, then there's going to be no play. So sometimes guys will forget that they need to get a bump or sometimes, you know, we always go over how we're going to chase if we lose because we need the time in the zone in order to have the puck. So, you know, just things like remember who, who you have to get on if we lose the draw. You know, remember where your out is. You know, if you get under pressure, like where are we going to move the puck to? So it becomes little details that you talk about. The overall play and what your goal is, they already know what it is. For us in those situations, that's really what we're, what we're focusing on. It's just the small things that need to happen in order for the big things to occur. Because sometimes, you know, the players will forget the details of what has to happen in order to make the big picture happen. As opposed to getting right to the big picture, sometimes those little things that are important get forgotten.